0: Because the ego is always telling you, well, I was hurt and this person has to learn. And they have to pay. And you're not that person. You're oh, not yeah. the person to teach them. You know?
1: Hey, guys. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to apologize for some of the sounds. And sometimes all the audio is a little choppy. I had to pause and edit the audio at the end because my little boy woke up, and so I had to attend to that, and I do apologize for that in advance. Also, I did not get Danny Beggett to introduce himself, which is (laughs) bad on my part. However, it gives me a chance to introduce him so you guys can know a little bit about the guy we're talking to today. So he is a Miami, Florida native, and he's received his bachelor's degree in Political Science from Columbia University. He was also a member of their football team and a three-time dean's list recipient. So needless to say, during his BA, he was a bit of a smart guy as well as not being afraid to be in football. During his master's degree, he got a degree in the in he got a master's degree of science in human performance from the University of Florida where he worked with the national championships men's basketball team along with the women's basketball and tennis and golf programs. So needless to say, this gentleman has done a lot of awesome things, and he only continues to do even more awesome things. But I don't want to go on too much because the conversation we had already went a little long. But with that, I hope you enjoy the episode. And Tell
2: me what you think. Hey guys, thank you for joining me on another episode of the One Take Stoic. As always, I'm your host Megan, and with me today we have a special guest, Danny Vega. Say What's hi, up? Danny. How's it going? Ah, just another freaking awesome day.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Amen to that.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, we're here, we're alive, and that's that's all we can hope for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: All right. So, what I wanted to do is go over the Stoic quote for today because I can't think of any pressing news that I need to tell all the peeps about. Um, The quote is He who is brave is free. It's a Seneca quote.
0: He who is brave is free. I like that. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes. And I just, I really like this one because not only is it extremely true, because the more brave you get, the less you're trapped in a bubble, but it's when you free, when you're brave, you free, you free yourself from all of the monotony. And with you, for example,
0: that's a good one. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that take on it. I like that a lot.
2: And with you specifically, you uh, recently stopped your nine to five day job. And now that you were brave enough to escape that you're now free to do whatever you'd like.
0: Very True. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it does take like you um to me I think the fear it's always going to present itself. Mm-hmm. It's it's what we do with that when that fear arises. How do we how do we navigate that? How do we handle that? And um I mean, it's so fear is such a abstract thing, you know, and and I think that's why, you know, Seneca was so good and the all the stoics were really the ancient stoics were good at trying to making people think of, okay, what is a, what is in front of you right now? And what's, what's important right now? And, you know, you start thinking about all of these and, you know, there's that Seneca quote of, you know, all the things that, that I was scared of and, and, you know, how that rarely ever comes to pass the things that you're actually scared of. But, you know, it, it takes, um, it definitely takes some work to address the fear and, um, you know, just, understand that the fear is going to come there and and it happens every now and then like it happens quite often sometimes you'll wake up in the middle of the night and you're like oh my gosh what am I doing Mm -hmm. but um, then there's like I've always looking at there was a really good this morning it was kind of an interesting thing because my when I, I did a guided meditation and the guided meditation was talking about be open to those serendipitous occasions that'll that'll come up, you know, like those things. Or she, um, she mentioned how the two founders of Google they met each other during the first week uh, of of college, and uh-huh. little did they know, you know, a few years later they would have created the most one of the most successful tech firms. And um, and then in my in my devotional, mm-hmm. it was talking about the um it was uh, the verse that was that was um that was shared was about basically putting in n- don't grow weary of doing the right thing continue to do the right thing and it's going to you know it's going to happen and you know we want things to happen now we want we want to put um you know deadlines on things and it's just not how it works you know
2: yeah oh, so I, love I love that it. yeah it's just <sighs> Things will happen the way they're supposed to happen in the time they're supposed to happen, regardless of how quickly you want it to happen.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Which is something
2: time's a good thing. Sorry, you're saying?
0: Well, I was gonna say we're 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 so fortunate to live in the world we live in. I don't think a lot of people understand how prosperous things are. Like for us here, like in the Western world, we we are very, you know, protected from danger. We don't have We're not, um, you know, there's other places in the world where, you know, they're a lot closer to living on the street. Like, you know, a few things go wrong. They don't eat, you know, for us, we make a mistake. We have credit. We have all these things. I mean, we have support systems and, um, you know, we we don't think about that. We're just so worried about, and it really cripples people. And you're right. It it kind of like enslaves people.
2: Oh, yeah, it's. I mean, there's so much comfort and there's so much security that it almost lulls you into, into a full sense of insecurity because yeah. you're afraid of letting go to, of that nine to five job because if I don't, this could happen. But nine times out of 10, it's not going to happen because it's, it's like when we focus on the rock, we hit the rock. But when we don't yeah. focus on the rock, you don't hit the rock. And yeah. if you prepare as much as you can, that's really all you can do. And the more brave you are, the more free you're able to be. Because
0: you can be more decisive.
2: Exactly. And that's one thing I know I've struggled with for a long time is um, I have been very uncomfortable with just talking to people in general and expressing my opinion and whatnot. And just it's it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the less you care and it's the more brave you are it's just you don't have to worry about do they like you because at the end of the day does it matter because I like me and my opinion is pretty important too last I heard
0: (laughs) yeah I think uh the cool I wanted to bring this up because I saw this today and I and I and I made a mental note of it Mm -hmm. um our friend Kevin Stock he just shared a book that he read (laughs) and it's called um the courage to be disliked, <laughs> and so he's. Of course, he posts that this is requisite reading if you openly discuss diet and nutrition. Um, oh, yeah. I really like that idea because we're so focused on on these external things, like how people perceive us. We don't even think of the fact that you know how they perceive us has nothing to do with us. Oh you know, yeah, we think that we can actually control how people perceive us and. And, and we, we try to go out of our way to make people like us. And then, and then we're disappointed when they still don't like us or, or they, don't, they don't react the way we think they're supposed to. They're misbehaving.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and and it's,
0: it's just like you have no control.
2: Yeah. That's why I love, uh, I believe it was Epictetus has the understand what you control. Like the only thing oh, you yeah. control is yourself and even not fully yourself. You control your reactions to things. Absolutely. And it's... Oh, do you mind if I put you on hold real quick?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that. I was like, oh, you need to go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All righty. <laughs> um, I'm not exactly sure where we left off.
0: So we were talking about... Um, Epictetus was talking about how, you know, we... we you can only... You only have... Uh, control over the way you react yes. to things. Uh-huh. And you reacted well to your
1: right <laughs>
0: baby crying.
2: <laughs>
1: right? Isn't that right that oh,
2: okay. Do you want down? Alright, now I'm old news. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> sorry for that un uh the unscheduled interruption. So back to what more or less, I was saying, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> epictetus, <laughs> we only control the things that are reactions, our actions, and I mean, uh, that actually reminds me of the uh, quote from Mara, or Mara, Mara. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I never say it right. <laughs> you there. know, it's so- funny,
0: everybody always wants to say, and it's, it's our fault because we pronounce it in Spanish, mm-hmm. you know, Um, and like, you can totally call her Mora, You know, it's like, it's like Laura with an M, Mm -hmm. but the, we, it's just unnatural. It's kind of like my cousin's name is Darian, Mm -hmm. but I call him Mm Dariang. you know, um, Ah. because that's how I've always called him. Um, But, you know, people want to think that that's the only pronunciation probably because that's the only way we ever say it. It's just weird for me to say it a different way, but everyone else could say (laughs) Mora.
2: Yeah. I I just, I sometimes have the rolling of the tongue, not all the time, like, uh, (laughs) I used to be called um, Maggie by my brother's uh, mother-in-law because she, like Spanish was her main language. And so she couldn't, I don't know, like she couldn't say Megan properly. So she's like, Mag- oh. Maggie, 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 come here. I'm like, okay, what's
0: up? <laughs> That's great.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. I, I don't mind what the heck you call me as long as I know that you're referring to me and I prefer not profanity unless you prefer it back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But anyways, (laughs) back to about the only things, what she was saying uh, was she judges a good day based on how she reacts to something. And I love that because that's the only thing you have. Nothing else can be controlled because like using myself for an example as well, I, I have ADHD and it wasn't until I started realizing my triggers that I was able to control more or less my ADHD. Now, don't get me wrong; I still have eighty. I still have the attention deficit sometimes, and I'm still super duper energetic. But I'm able to control that more. But just like Epictetus says, I I can't fully control it because before I knew what triggered it, it was like, well, I guess nothing happened today. Yay!
0: Oh, there's so much there too, because you know, there's there's. I have these conversations with my wife like Mm -hmm. she's like no you don't understand like I have a physical reaction to what's happening like the anger is so that you know I get you know she has all these physical symptoms and I'm like I understand that part but you can still choose the way you speak you know you can choose the way you react to those physical reactions Mm -hmm. that I completely you know agree are out of your control and, you know, I'll be I'll be the first to say I, I'm guilty of it because and and I set that intention this week on Monday because I was like, look, no matter what happens this week, mm-hmm. I am going to be the, the best version of me. And so what happens with with me, with my wife, is that sometimes she will the first thing she says to me is something hostile, you know, like I'll be gone. And she'll text me like, did you know that you threw the, the coffee that you threw away from yesterday? You got the grounds all on the floor. You didn't even notice. And, you know, or something like that. I'm like, well, good morning to you too. You know, like, and, and, and I understand because there are stupid things that I do and I have no excuse of, of, of going back at her, but I, mm-hmm. I, I have that tendency to do that, to react back at her. and And that just goes back to, we can choose our reactions.
2: Oh yeah, I I completely agree. Um, I have something similar with my wife, and sometimes <laughs> I love her to death, and I love her to pieces. But she doesn't always have the um, the best way of saying things. Like so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> similar yeah. to that. What you're I do mentioning. the same
0: thing. I tell her the same thing. You can you can say it a different way. You know,
2: right? And it's like it's like I don't. I'm not critiquing what you said. I'm just. Can I get a hi? How are you doing before you attack down my throat?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I, gosh, I feel you. <laughs> right?
2: Like, hey, how you doing? Yep. You done effed up, but hi. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for she the She did it this
0: morning, actually. She did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm actually going to read to you. I'm going to read to you our text from this morning because this is, this is fantastic. So <laughs> she says, morning, mi amor. So good morning, my love. And she says, this is exactly what I was talking about, the, the coffee thing, because uh-huh. that's the first thing that came to mind. So she goes, <laughs> when you dump the coffee in trash, be careful because there's coffee grounds all over the floor and I'm try to get it in the trash. Thanks. And I said, good morning, my love. First of all, thank you for how you asked me to do that. Second of <laughs> all, I'm sorry for being stupid. And she's like, trust me, that was very hard. So thanks for noticing, acknowledging how stupid you are. <laughs> But I mean, that's like, you know, if she didn't do that, it was going to be a test of me living by my word and doing the right thing because we can't, it's like anything else. We try to say, don't worry about external outcomes or external circumstances, but wait, not in this situation because she's misbehaving. And so she doesn't deserve for me to be the right. That's not how it works. It's what? just not how it works. What?
2: You you mean I actually have to be an adult all the time?
0: Yeah, yeah, that like not, and, and you know, I deal with that with my seven year old, um, because, you know, a lot of what he says is because of his little brother. So like, if his little brother starts with him, it's usually like my, my four year old has sensory processing disorder, and he has, like, con- hard time controlling urges and things like that. And so when things get loud, or he gets overstimulated, he'll hit him or he'll, man, and he'll smack him hard. Ooh. And, and, and like, it's out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And my seven-year-old always screams bloody murder. And I'm like, you, you can control that. You, can, you don't have to every single time. And then he goes after him. And now when he goes after him, now my little one consciously goes back after him. So it's kind of like this vicious cycle that we have to, if we're mature adults and we are practicing stoicism as much as possible, we can stop that cycle. And it takes some humility. Because the ego is always telling you, well, I was hurt, and this person has to learn, and they have to pay, and you're not that person. You're oh, not yeah. the person to teach them, you know?
2: I completely agree. It's like you you might not like the, ra- they, the way they're acting, but you being just as mean back is not going to change the way they're acting. It's just going to make it worse, and then they're going to dig in your, their heels, and nobody's going to get anything done because everybody's mad. Yeah. Goodness yeah. gracious. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, we all have to grow up and be our own parents to ourselves sometimes.
0: <laughs> we do, and and I love that, you know, a lot of these things. Um I forgot where it was recently that it might have been like a David Goggins interview because I'm like obsessed with David Goggins right now. I read his book and I'd rereading it. I'm I'm actually not rereading it. I started and then I I decided okay, I want to read this sleep book, Why We Sleep. Mm. And it's like such a change in content in pace you know it's a Mm -hmm. guy with a nice british accent reading (laughs) to you and i'm like i want to read about the guy who's like you know crushing himself and putting himself through all this pain because his main thing in life is to always challenge himself like never get comfortable and um (laughs) And so this is like, okay, I got to get through this, but because there's good information in it, mm-hmm. but man, it's it's like when you're, especially when you're doing things that are uncomfortable, like when I'm training and I'm listening to how he wrote, he, you know, he ran a marathon with broken legs or whatever it is he did, you know, 4,000 <laughs> yep. pull-ups in a day to break the world pull-up record. Goodness like gracious. It, when I'm like in pain mm-hmm. and I'm just like, my chest is like burning, I'm like, Okay, just seriously, take take note of what he's saying right now while you're dying. It's not that bad.
2: Yeah, I. It's yeah. all about putting in perspective. It's like, yeah, you might seem like you're having the worst day ever, but I promise you, you're not.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's so many, and you know, I think um, with I always say this thing because I think that um, AA is such a good example. Mm-hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous is such a good example of like. Um, there's so many stoic things in it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I always say like, if, if the world went through the 12 step program, we'd be all better because you, you know, you think you're, everyone is terminally unique. Like, no, you don't know my story. No, you don't know. And, and like, then you sit down in a room of people and you're like, oh my gosh, that is horrific. I would, I would be drinking too. I would be (laughs) drugging too. You know, like that's horrific. You know, there's, there's so many people that have it worse than you. Uh, And even if they don't, what are you going to do with it? Like if if you were abused, if you were hurt, no one is going to save you from that. That already happened. Like there's no one's going to say, okay, now you don't have to work anymore because you're, you're exempt because you had it hard. It's just, that's not how the world works.
1: Yeah. And
2: you never really know how bad you have it because no matter what, somebody else has probably been in a similar situation or a worse situation. Yeah. And it's just it's it sucks and I wish that I could go back to every time somebody's been wronged and write it but the sad thing is sometimes you have to suffer through it and when you come out the other side and you share that story though you make somebody else realize that they're not alone because a lot of the things they come from a hurt place because they feel that nobody else has gone through it. And when somebody else can relate, they don't feel like they're just the one that ended up with, you know, in the worst situation possible. I guess it's the best version of Misery Loves Company.
0: (laughs) It is. It is because and, and, you know, think about think about, you know, we we are very vocal. Both you and I are both very vocal on the things that, you know, we think have really helped us and we're sharing them with people. And you're never going to convince someone to tr- do what you're doing. It's always going to be, they're going to say something like, well, I heard so-and-so's story mm-hmm. and that's what got me to try this new way of eating or this, this, that's what got me to get off my butt and and start trying to work on myself. Um, and that's, that's why sharing stories. That's why like, I love to just air it all out as much as possible. And of course, if I'm talking about, other people in my family like if I'm talking about my sons I usually get their permission Mm -hmm. unless it's just like a random story but if I want to share something you know that could be potentially like when I share one story of when my oldest eat he ate this really it had this this really bad day of eating where he went to a party and he had cotton candy and pizza and he was crying and and just miserable Mm -hmm. and I asked him if I could share that um, and he, he let me share it because that's a learning experience, you know, and if we can look at this, like, man, there's so many things to learn from. It's kind of like, um, I forget who, which one of the Stoics said this, but basically looking at the good in every situation, well, it's just the whole concept of amor fati, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, amor fati is just basically you love your fate, you know, everything that happens to us is either good or necessary. So, that happened for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I truly believe a lot of these things, they happen. Um, my, my youngest was put in my oldest's life to train him in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were both put in my life to train me in, in certain things. So when you look at it that way, you're just like, man, I'm just me. They're making me better.
2: Oh yeah. And it's, that's all that it, that it's really about because it all comes down to something either, you're either going to gain and you're either going to grow or you're going to fail no matter if you lose or not, or no matter if you win or not. And these things, they're obstacles. And once you overcome the obstacle, you grow. And if you choose not to overcome the obstacle, then you're stunted. And then you're basically the same in as you were out. And so it's it's up to us.
0: It is. And and I know, like, there was another book I read by Coop Blackson, fantastic book called You Are the One. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, he was in one of these crazy immersion trips with one of his clients who, they were in the middle of Bali, Indonesia, in the most beautiful place. And she's just not letting go. She's not completely, she's trying to hold on to control and trying to hold on and not, not being real, not completely just breaking down and being real. And he's, he's asking her, you know, what's holding you back? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, no, you do know, you do know what is it that you're holding back? What? And she finally gives in and she says, well, you know, it's just that my parents, um, abused me so badly when I was a child that if I do well and I actually succeed, that's going to let them know that it was okay, that what they did was okay. And when you think about it that way, you're just like, wow, I mean, you are punishing yourself to punish them. You're you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. You know? So you gotta own it and you gotta use that. You get your power from that. You do you do get power from that.
2: Yeah, and it's <laughs> sorry. My little No, boy. <laughs> I love it. I love
0: the, the I love the soundtrack in the background.
2: I heard crying for a second. I was like, oh no, I hear laughing. silly boy but yeah it's you can't people you the it's important that you give your gifts to people not oh yeah not hinder yourself because you don't want somebody else to feel that they are in the right for treating you a certain way because then you're not sharing your gifts with people and when you don't share your gifts with people that's that's when we all fail yeah because just it's a
0: nasty cycle,
2: exactly. And think about how many people have changed have been changed because, you know, you have told your story, or Carrie Brown has told her story, or Brian has told his story, and me telling my story. Y'all are probably a lot more than me, but <laughs> the thing hey, is, one
0: person—if you help one person—you you decrease suffering in this exactly. world. That's what Jordan Peterson says, and I'm like, you know, that that really helps with people who are going through suicidal thoughts, and mm-hmm. they think to themselves, like. You can easily think of one situation where you brighten someone's day, and you can tell yourself honestly that you decrease suffering in this world. And that's a powerful thing.
2: Oh, yeah. And it's, you don't really realize how much those things mean to people because, yeah, it just might be a fleeting thing for you. But in their mind, you're always going to be that person that, you know, held the door open for somebody or gave them a coat when theirs got wet. And it could, Without knowing it, you could have saved somebody's life.
0: Yeah, it's so true.
2: Oh yeah, it's positivity, man. I, it's it's difficult as heck sometimes, but it's so very necessary. Yep. Oh goodness gracious. Anyways, so all of that from the (laughs) he who's from that one quote is free. Yes, it's just a lovely, lovely machination of serendipitous events i guess
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and if you're open to them you see how beautiful life is you know it's it's it's, it makes life so much more beautiful
2: i completely agree and it's uh it's awesome and it's freeing if you let it be but oh yeah i don't want to hinder these stoic (laughs) stoic ideas too much talk about an awesome segue right (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm the queen of segues. What can I say? (laughs) So, before we get too far into the keto rabbit hole, I was curious. How is your uh, BJJ going?
0: Oh my gosh, I'm I'm loving it. Like, um, I think that it's a great example of, you know. (sighs) Having one of the things that I loved about starting with the obstacles, the way as my first introduction into stoicism was that the way Ryan Holiday framed it was with, you know, the perception and then action and then the will mm-hmm. and having that will is having the ability to continue to do the same thing over and over, knowing that the results you don't know when the results are going to happen you don't know when the breakthroughs are going to happen and um i've been really focusing on it i've been going like you know 4 days a week minimum this week i went 6 times because i went um i went 5 days and then i went twice one day <laughs> and i've had a few of those aha moments you know like when when it starts to get competitive and i actually you know do some cool things so i've 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 loved it and i think it's it's a great um, very, very stoic thing because, um, especially with children Mm -hmm. or even with adults, like what happens is like when you, when you do something new, you know, you want to, you want to do it well. And so with jujitsu, you go hard and you get submitted and then you go harder, you go harder and you get submitted faster. (laughs) And then, you know, you're just like, Oh, and you're frustrated until you finally hit that breaking point. And you realize like, just don't, don't go so hard, be, don't be so focused on, on the outcome. And then all of a sudden you, you are like, you're moving faster, you're moving better, you're smoother. And you're, um, you actually are doing better because you're not so attached to the outcome. And that's been the case with me. And I'm just like, you know i I do have the advantage that I'm larger than most people, and mm. they're they're starting to call me nicknames like they call me Thanos <laughs> and they call me Hulk and and i i I think it's hilarious um because I know that you know when I do finally pick this up and get good at it, like I will have an advantage with my weight so um and I, and just like everything I do, I want to compete. There's no question that I want to compete. Will it be in a year? Will it be in a year and a half? I don't know when it'll be, but this by far is like the, the longest I will have had to go before I start competing because everything I've done has been, you know, things that are pretty natural to my physique and my strengths. So like rowing is perfectly for me. Like I, I started competing in rowing and I had like three state records like that season pretty quickly. Yeah. It just was because my arms are so long, Uh, my legs are so long and my torso short. So I do things that, that like people that are four inches taller than me are doing because of my, you know, my, my, my long arms and stuff. And, you know, football, I was always good at football and lifting this is just so out of my comfort zone and so against everything that I've ever done that it's like it's finally I'm understanding what people are going through when they start something new like a lifting regimen or like a cardio yeah. program and they're like I just suck at this and and you you do lose motivation when you're not good at something yeah. and that's why motivation sucks motivation's not what you need to go off of you need to go off of just do it. Just go.
1: Oh yeah. And, Just act. Yeah.
2: Motivation needs to be fed and watered daily.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I and I and I talked about this. We did. A, we're doing this fat loss series on the ketogenic athlete, and I talk about for me motivation is what comes after I do the thing. Mm-hmm you know, I feel motivated after I finish my workout. Like I didn't want to do yesterday was one of those days. I'm doing this 200 and 200 thing mm-hmm. where I do 200 days straight of 200 reps of stuff. So it's like 50 burpees, 50 pull-ups, 50 push ups, 50 squats. And it's every single day. And it's not that many things, but it's just the everyday thing. Like I'm like, okay, yesterday I had already done jujitsu. Yeah. I got my workout in and I actually did jujitsu twice yesterday, but like in the morning, after jujitsu i was like okay i gotta do this i gotta do this now Mm -hmm. and i i didn't want to do it i was like man just thinking of the burpees oh this was like i have to do 50 of these again Mm -hmm. and then we did burpees at night at (laughs) jujitsu and like i was just like i I don't want to do this but but you feel so good like that consistency Mm -hmm. is motivating not the actual i feel good so i'm gonna run yeah that's gonna go away when it's cold when it's raining when it's less than optimal when you when you have whatever my toe hurts my my pinky hurts whatever
2: Hey, and that's that's the time you need it the most it's because that's that's the time the zombies will get you man
0: yeah exactly the time you're not gonna up. be good when the zombies come exactly yeah.
2: the moment you slip up is the moment they'll come and catch you depending upon what you know movie you're watching sometimes they're fast Just yeah. saying it, man. but that's very <laughs> cool and especially with your arms and your legs you you should be able to get some really good locks when you get better at uh BJJ.
0: Oh yeah, and then as you learn, you'll start to even more see how your how how your specific anatomy and your angles and it's like it's like this thing where you just you learn about uh you have these aha moments like like and you learn how how your body may not be that good for this submission, mm-hmm. but but there's a different way for your body to do it. And a lot of people are telling me Wait until you have these aha moments where you discover new moves yeah. or something, and and that's um, why and, it's and just like yeah.
2: That's why it's like it, it's progressing even now because even maybe I think it was like what five years ago they didn't do anything having to do with ankle locks or heel hooks or anything like that, and now if you watch the MMA fight, I think maybe it was about a week or two ago where the guy got submitted by uh, a heel hook. And
0: oh, was it uh, BJ BJ Penn? Yes, and yeah, yeah, and years, he's like he's an expert. Mm-hmm.
2: And years ago, that wouldn't even be a thing because they're like, "Why am I? I don't want to deal with the lower half. It's all about the main holds, the armbar, the I'm blanking on all the other like the eight
0: rear naked chokes yeah. and guillotines, and yeah.
2: And it's when we focus on the big things, we lose sight of the smaller things, and You know, when you're not realizing it, somebody goes in and has a heel hook and those things are super, super duper, not necessarily lethal, but they'll, they'll mess you up quick because it's just, if you move the wrong way, it's done. Do not like those. I was doing, um, going over ankle hooks or heel hooks with, um, the guy I train, uh, BJJ with. And I felt that for days.
0: (laughs) Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing with like the the more advanced people like is you're you're going on this journey and you are learning new things and then you forget simple things like simple sweeps. Oh, yeah. And then someone catches you with it. And then you're like, oh, I remember that, you know, now I need to go back and drill that again.
2: Yeah. And it's that's a good one. Yeah, it's constant repetition all the time. And sometimes you forget, you know, the good old things and you go back to them. And it's ebb and flow, ebb and flow. It's just like, you know, uh, I think like Bruce Lee said, be like water. And it's just sort of the ebb and flow in everything. And I swear, Bruce Lee was so ahead of his time just with all the martial arts and stuff. And I mean, the way I think of how he was with the Jeet Kune Do, it's, it's how it seems like a lot of us have become, especially when we become a little bit more in tune with our bodies is- how we start developing on our own personal keto journey or health journey in general is much like how Bruce Lee did. And because he took a lot of different teachings from a lot of different disparate martial arts. And just like what Marcus Aurelius did in Stoicism is they brought all of their common ideas together in the Jeet Kune Do for um, one aspect and the meditations for another aspect. And it seems like- as we're learning more and more about ourselves in our health journeys, we can do the exact same thing, but for us and our health journey.
0: Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's happened. We're having some serious, like just big changes ourselves with the way we do keto mm-hmm. and you know the way we recommend people do keto because like, we were like, okay, this is, we realized that this was like a blind spot for us before. Mm-hmm. This is how you should do it. Realizing also, of course, that at the same time, like a lot of people just starting may need, for instance, like we've been having this hardcore stance against sweeteners lately. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just like, you know what? Enough is enough. Um, there's too much of this like culture now growing where the keto community and all the, the companies that are putting stuff out that's sweetened, you know, let's not do that because I know I can tell you for me, um, I'm not, I don't have the best. Willpower, oh, yeah. and I've been sent all this stuff so much in the past several months. Um, that that is sweetened, and I'm just like, I get my hands on it, and I can't stop. I feel your pain, and I'm like, This is it's not good, yeah.
2: And <laughs> it's there's certain things I'm like, Baby, I love you. We can't keep this in the house, because, yeah. No,
0: we can't, right? Exactly. And it's like,
2: if you do, just don't tell me about it, hide it from me, please. I'm gonna be angry when I find it, don't get me wrong, but just. <laughs> Help me
0: yeah, yeah, and and we we should you know if, especially if people are you know there's so many different reasons people get into the ketogenic diet, mm-hmm. and you know if one of them is like gut health and you're just putting back all this fake food, oh
1: yeah,
0: um you know you're you're gonna wreck your health and 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 then the people who have poor willpower and that's was one of the reasons why they got obese or whatever you know, it's only going to make it harder. So it's better to be like, listen, let's not, let's take a stance of eliminate all sweet things. For instance, that's a, that's a big one for now. And then if we do bring things back in, like for us, it's been, you know, we're, I haven't had like this crazy backlash yet. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably because we do have a little bit of a a following, but yeah, I'm like, you know what? Yes, I did put, you know, I took, I used to take the, the, the sugar-free, syrup. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, the sucralose and it's just very bad for your gut health. And like, you know, it's not going to spike your blood sugar, but it's not good for your health. And so for my sons, if I'm going to make like keto pancakes or keto waffles, I'm going to take some grade B maple syrup that actually does have some nutrition in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to mix that with some, some glycerin to water it down. And that is what I'm going to put. And we're not going to put that much of it. Yeah. And it's not going to be as sweet and they regulate themselves better.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not about the, you know, the top five keto sweeteners. It's about what works for you and your situation and your body. Because, and honestly, if it gets you on the, on the keto train, it more good to you, but understand that the sweeteners, they have their place in the beginning, but understand that if you hit a roadblock, you, those are probably going to have to be the first things to go because it's. That's when the tough love happens because yes though it's great especially in the beginning because I know I did it just as much as a, just as much as the other people and it's
0: we did too exactly
2: and it's it it helps because yes if you can use less sweetener and it can be less sweet but when you're constantly using all these sweeteners you you lose the taste that I have broccoli and I'm like damn that's sweet
1: and <laughs> yeah. you can just
2: taste it when I say that and people look at me like I have a third or fourth eye or something and it's like well if you rechain your palate it is sweet don't get me wrong I still can't drink black coffee but I'm getting there
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I've actually gotten better with that as well like I I slowly now the only thing that I'm putting in my coffee (laughs) is half a tablespoon of ghee uh keto geeks ghee it's my favorite nice and then, um, and then two tablespoons of this uh, new roast, like, adaptogen super creamer. So it's, Ooh. like, some coconut cream. So it's really just, like, I think it's, like, 15 grams of fat. Whereas mm-hmm. before I used to have, like you know, 40 grams of fat. Yeah.
2: And sometimes people like I have um, a friend of mine that I'm, I'm coaching and she does a lot of like the fattier, like the whatchamacallit, call it? a lot of the bulletproof coffees just to help her mm-hmm. to where she can have a longer fat fast, so to speak. If you need that in the beginning, do it, but understand that eventually you might have to give those up and it might not be just giving it up. It might just be that you just, don't need it. I know I used to, I still drink coffee all the time, but I used to have a lot, a lot of fat in it. And now it's, I just, most of the time, the reason there's stuff in it is aside from coffee tastes sort of gross sometimes, because if you get it from Starbucks half the time it's burnt, but also because I'm trying to work through some perfect keto stuff that I have.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) right. Yeah. And, and, you know, like that's, that's the thing, like with me, I noticed that this, this whole thing about fat helping you stay full and not hungry. I noticed that that wasn't happening to me. So I'm like, you know what? I might as well take it out. Cause I don't see, I don't feel that difference that people talk about.
2: And That's completely, completely valid and super smart because yeah, just because everybody says it works for me, doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And yep. it's having the understanding and not the cognitive dissidence of, all right, this doesn't work for me. So I'm not going to do it. Why am I going to do something just because people say, "Hey, keto people do that"? No, that's silly. If if it doesn't work for you, stop doing it.
1: Exactly. Aside
2: from well, maybe it might taste good.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> I mean, yeah, don't, that that's that's a whole different thing. Right? Just admit that it tastes awesome. <laughs>
2: yeah, and then you know you're not careful, that can spiral. So it's like this tastes awesome, but is that the only reason I'm having it? If so, I might want to rethink my. If something else is going on, because I know I've realized that when I'm emotional or when I'm, you know, having something just to have it, it's like, generally speaking, it's because I haven't addressed issues that I need to address. And it's just, yep. you know, a coping mechanism.
0: Yeah, it totally yeah. is.
2: A super awesome coping mechanism. I'm hoping yeah, son exactly. never gets. <laughs>
0: yeah, Yeah. <laughs>
2: I try to un-F him as much as possible.
0: <laughs> oh, me too. I'm like, and, you know, Brian said something the other day. He was like, you know, we have to, we're going to screw them up no matter what. Right. You have to choose how we're going to screw them up. And I think about that and I'm just like, okay, what are the what are the least harmful neuroses that I'm going to pass on? Right? <laughs> you know, and, you
2: know, you know? That regardless, if they're still going to, if it doesn't come from you, it's going to come from something else. You know, if they ever end up, you know, going, not necessarily to school, because I know you're, you're going to probably homeschool them the rest, the, their whole entire career.
0: Yeah, like, I don't see them changing their mind, right? but if they do, I'll, I'll support them, you know, and I'll support him when he comes right back out.
2: Right. <laughs> oh, goodness. <sighs> I wish I could have not gone to school.
0: <laughs> My wife is one is the one that the most like she really has like this resentment you know maura has like she's like I wish because she was so artistic and she was so into dance and you know I I I just I agree I wish I, I would have been better off if I would have had some time to figure out what I love I I, I would have known probably the same thing that I know now like the things that I love I I love the same things when I was a kid I just they were like drowned out by you know all the wasted time doing other stuff.
2: Oh yeah. And it's, that's what I ultimately want to do with my little guy, but my wife's sort of on the fence. She's like, just homeschool kids are so weird. I'm like, no, no, they're not. I promise you.
0: Well, you know, that's, so that is definitely a stigma Mm -hmm. that we hear often. And, And it's, it's one that we should understand like, okay, why are homeschool kids weird? The ones that you think are weird, are not weird because they're homeschooled. They're being homeschooled because they're weird. They, you know, a lot of these kids don't have a place, like whether it's a developmental thing or it's an actual autism thing, or it's just like a social thing. Like I think that that child is better off in a safer environment than in this environment, the school environment. And my son, you know, Desmond is every time people interact with him, they're just like, wow, he's so like so well socialized or whatever mm-hmm. the word that people use.
2: <laughs> right. It's like know? they're dogs. No, no, they're not
0: yeah i socialize my
2: dog <laughs> but not my child
0: exactly the child socializes how they want to socialize mm-hmm. you know like my desmond is a very social creature dean is very picky with who he spends time with and he's totally comfortable being playing alone that's how dean is yeah. And that has nothing to do with homeschool or not homeschool. I think it's it's definitely one of those things. I think it goes back to that stoic quote of like, you know, the freedom that comes from courage. Because it is scary Mm -hmm. because you're like, I want my child to be set up for success. Yeah.
2: You and know. it's, it's almost like we're trying to live vicariously through them, but at the same time saying we're not, because it's like, no, no, that's yeah. not what I'm doing. I swear. I just want what's best for him. Yep. Do you want what's best for him? Because you didn't get that and yeah. it's chicken or the egg kind of thing. And it's oh, crazy stuff, but
0: it is, I, I it's, it's definitely like for us, it's at this point, you know, you go through phases. Mm-hmm. The first phase is of course, getting over your own fear, <laughs> but then you go through this phase where you're like, now you have to deal with everyone else around you's fear. And that can bring you right back, Mm -hmm. you know, where, okay, what are you doing? You know, your mother, your mother-in-law, your, your cousins, you know, people who are around you, who are the complete opposite, like who went through the, the standard route. And I mean, I went through the standard route. I did a good undergrad and a grad school. You know, I have all these degrees. I think I got a lot out of them, but a lot of it was the people that I met, the the things that I, when I got to choose what I studied and how I spent my time, that's what I loved. Yeah. You know, and I think nowadays with the access to information, it's so different. Like it really truly is the most different time because you can take any class right now. You can take Columbia courses online. There are lectures of everything. There's free books online. There's so much information out there. And it's a really cool thing. So, I mean, for us, we're we're just going to continue to see this this movement towards decentralized learning and more control over how you spend your time and, and more freedom for someone to learn the way they want to learn. Oh, yeah. I love the, the idea. Oh,
2: yes. I completely agree with all of that. For all, a, a semester or so, I was going through edu- courses to become a teacher. And oh, my goodness, the stuff they said about homeschool route and whatnot, and just the stuff that they taught you, it was like the spin on history that they put to how we have it now. It's night and day, if you know the actual history versus what they teach you in becoming a teacher history. And it's like, oh, it's basically, they weren't getting enough education at home. So what they had to do is learn somehow. And it's like, well, that's actually not, that's not it at all.
0: Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's, that that's the thing too where like you talked about the things that that they taught you and how they taught you i really like the idea and and if if schools could do this too mm-hmm. it would be really good but there's this authoritative way that that they teach things as if this is how it is and that's how you learn history you know you learn this whitewashed version <laughs> of history that that completely oh, yeah. just just wipes away all the the dirty spots and And I'm just saying, and we're just saying, like, why don't we talk about the dirty spots too? We can learn from those, you know, we can learn from the things that we did that were, that were ugly. Well, no, you're just, now you hate this country or something like that. You know, one of those things. I'm like, like, dude, I don't hate the country. I love the freedom. I love the opportunity, but humans are bad and they can be really bad sometimes. And it's very dangerous to say, for instance, like uh, take this pride in something that you have no control over, like where you were mm -hmm. born. That's a weird thing for you to be like, well, I, what does that mean for the guy who was born somewhere completely opposite? Mm-hmm. You know, is he a bad person? Cause he was born there. That's
2: so weird. Yeah. And it's <laughs> the whitewashing of history is hilarious in the worst way possible because it's, yeah. it's like we're tearing down statues because of what people did and we're making their beliefs invalid because they're not our current beliefs. If we based yep. our like our current beliefs on everybody else's actions, why why do we have such a positive view on Rome? Why do we have <laughs> yeah. why why do we like? There, let's see. Rome's been horrible. All of Britain's been horrible to just about everybody. If you think about it, even you can go back to the Native Americans who, they oh, did yeah, just as a, many slash and burns example. as we did, but yeah, yeah. At the same time, they did it for completely different reasons, and. We can't assume or presume our consciousness based on our daily values on them, because no matter what, nobody's going to live up to it. Because yeah, Thomas Jefferson was a great guy when it came to writing the Declaration of Independence, but- Mm -hmm.
0: That was a great document.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, but do you agree with everything? Do you know that he owned slaves? Yeah, like if he he
0: had slaves, exactly. That's That's He was
2: one of the guys that did some very nice things to slaves, and he- you know, yeah. had some children with some slaves, and it's like you <laughs> yeah. have to you have to take the good with the bad, and yep. if you're not willing to do that, don't take as don't take Monticello down or Monticello, I don't <laughs> know which one?
0: I know, I know they they always say Monticello, but I'm like, why do we say everything else with the with the the other right? way? But we call that Monticello.
2: Exactly. It's like, come <laughs> on, at least if it's going to be one way, it's going to be one way all the time, or at least <laughs> I'm going to always be wrong when I pronounce it Monticello, and it's just all of this can really come back to i mean the whole keto journey as well as the whole stoicism journey as well as the whole education journey they're all very symbiotic because the keto thing is just on the uh is just on the outskirts of the accepted norm of diet just as much as your <laughs> your personal views on education as well as my own oh yeah and yep just like s- with stoicism you ask one person on the st- Treat what stoicism is, and they'll give you a story of somebody who has no emotion when that's the farthest thing from the truth. And yep. even with with stuff like that, it's you can't necessarily go based on what you think or perceive something to be, or you just end up like that amazing, amazing, wonderful Jillian Michaels keto <laughs> thing <laughs> that is.
0: Oh man, that's so bad.
2: Just so ignorant. If you looked up a little bit of, had some some of the studies to go along with what you're saying, that'd be one thing, but it's just, it's like it's pulled completely out of her butt.
0: Yeah. I mean, she was using things like autophagy <laughs> and, you know, no one has ever heard of autophagy until they lower carbs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not something that you're talking about in a typical, you know, low calorie diet where people are like, just lose weight, move more, mm-hmm. lo- you know, drop the fat no one's talking about autopsy. exactly
1: or telomeres
0: for her to use or telomeres that was my other favorite one you know and that's like oh well jillian says something about telomeres i don't know what those are but those must be important right oh that's that's
2: it's like no if you want to know about telomeres go talk to uh dr ronda patrick go talk to i think isn't uh anthony gj doing something on the carnivore and the telomeres too
0: yeah, yeah, he's doing that um, carnivore experiment, strict carnivore, and then he's measuring mm-hmm. the telomeres like at the beginning and the end of the of the study. It's a three-month study, so I don't know how many people are going to be lost to follow-up. I'm hoping that, that he gets a lot of people. We tried to help him spread the word for that, of course. Yeah. So actually, we're going to go fishing in April. Mm-hmm. So by then, he'll be able to like share with me what, what happened.
2: Nice. But
0: yeah. Talk to him. Right? Talk to him, you know, because you know he's an actual epigeneticist mm-hmm. that actually understands, you know, aging and and health and all these things. Exactly. You know, for Jillian to just say these things and not have one, not even one reference, not one thing, she just basically acting as her own ultimate authority is just oh, it's it's vile and it's repugnant to me. Yes. It's just like you, ugh.
2: right? It's like. You can you can be totally against it. I that's fine. I mean, my mother in law is a, for lack of a better term, a crazy vegan. Because <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love vegans. I have nothing against vegans. It's just when th- when they're not willing to see reason, and it, it sometimes <laughs> it, it seems like she thinks beans are magical because it's like, what if I can't have my beans? What do you get from beans that you can't get from from meat or anything? And might I say there's some essential vitamins and nutrients you can't get from plant sources. And if you're going to be a vegan, go right ahead. Just please, please do it smart. And please, for the love of God, don't do it to children.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, there's already like in, um, I think France was the one of these European countries said as you, you can't get too authoritative with scientific declarations, but I think it was like the pediatric association in, in France or one of these European countries that said, we do not recommend putting your child on a vegan diet for health reasons. So, like, if you want to use your religious freedom to say that, okay, we're doing it for religious reasons, go ahead. But if it's for health reasons, no, because you will stunt their growth. I mean, this this stuff is well documented. Mm-hmm. I have the same feeling. Like, I our favorite server at our at one of the steakhouses that we go to, super cool guy, and he's a vegan, and he's not obviously not for ethical reasons cuz if not that would just be the worst thing ever to go to work <laughs> right? every day but he does it for health reasons and mm. we always ask for him cuz he's a great yeah. server
2: and yeah it's, it's like you don't have anything against him because at the end of the day he is a vegan but that that's not his identity he has his own identity yeah. that is completely 100% removed from how he eats if you can just put your big girl and big boy pants on and understand that not everybody's <laughs> body reacts the same
0: Yeah, someone asked me recently, because I'm going to be doing this three-month experiment where I'm just going to do a paleo month, I'm going to do a keto month, then I'm going to do carnivore month. And I have, you know, my good friend, Ryan Lowry, he is, sorry, Dr. Ryan Lowry, he's a doctor now. He is at ASPI and and I have all these goodies that I can do and get tested there and do like, you know, DEXA scan and metabolic card and blood work. But someone said, well, why don't you do that with a plant-based whole foods diet or a high carb, you know, whole foods diet. And I said, I have nothing against that. I just don't want to do that. Like someone else can do that. And I'm not saying it's not going to work. I am just going to stay on this side of things. I'm going to stay on the low carb side of things, trying to see what happens. If, if, if I'm able to do really well on a whole month of paleo, that's good to know for me. I'm like, that's good to know if I ever want to like, enjoy a sweet potato or enjoy some of this stuff. Like, because I know carnivore is awesome. Like for me, like carnivore, I feel the best, I get the most cut when I do it, but I also love to eat different things, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, I do. I like, I I enjoy those things. And if I can do well with that, then- More I, power
2: to you. That's a good Exactly, and it's, you don't have to be stuck in this dogmatic role of, hey, if it's not on this prescriptive list that I somehow concocted, it's not, then it's a no-go. No, if your body tolerates it and you enjoy it, do it. And just because you're known as the mostly carnivore guy doesn't mean you can't try other things too. And it's it, yep. it's sort of a double-edged sword and people spearhead one specific person the one specific thing because that's all they know them as. And it's like, I am not a one-dimensional human being, nor should you be. And we can't project that onto other people either, or we're just going to end up not being happy and not liking the message that they're portraying just because it changes but that's that's part of growth that's part of understanding and learning your own personal truth
0: yep and I get, I get warned by friends who are really, who I really respect mm. and who are really successful in like the whole fitness and health community. And they're like, you don't want to go too off what you, you know, what you're known for and all that stuff. Cause you're just going to confuse people. And, and, and I get that because people want, like, they want to know that they can go someone, go to someone for that they can trust and be like, I don't, I'm, I'm just confused now. You know, why, why are you doing this? But for me, I'm like, at the same time, I'm also curious, you know, and and, I, and I'm and i never going to stop being curious. Exactly.
2: It's, it's like the ebb and flow of, yes, they might want consistency, but if you stay fast to your beliefs, regardless of what other data you're getting in, you're no better than the standard American diet. You're no better than the cardiologists that say fat will kill you because you're sticking to your guns so much to the point that you're unwilling to change. But- It's just like the, you know, the fat phobia is bad just as much as not being true to yourself is bad. Yeah, it might, you might lose a few followers because they're like, hey, this is my carnivore guy. He's, he's eating veggies. No, but at the same token, (laughs) we have to understand that as people grow, they will change. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Oh, you go to specific people for specific things, but that's not all they know. And that might not be all that they're known for. For example, you
0: And a lot of people Oh go ahead. I'm sorry. What oh, I was about say? to
2: say, not only are you awesome with carnivore, but you know your hip hop and you know your references quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean oh, Sasquatch sure. ain't got nothing <laughs> on you, dear sir. <laughs>
0: um no I, I and I was gonna say too, like it, it's funny because a lot of these people that, that we look to, they aren't as um they're not I'm not going to say that they're holding things back. They're just like withholding certain things that they do. And, and I don't fault them for that. You, you know, a lot of people are like, you know what, that's going to confuse people. I'm not going to post I
2: can understand that. that.
0: But I do. And then all of a sudden, because I have, I'm eating like, let's say out of 15 meals I eat in a week, you know, four of them have some sort of vegetables in them. And I post the picture of that. It's like, oh, well, Danny's not carnivore. I'm like, well, the other the 90% of the meals that I ate are all meat, just pounds of meat. But, you know, so I don't know. It's, uh, it's, I, I I'm always going to be the guy who's like, well, I'm just going to share it. You know, I'm just going to share kind of what I'm going through and share my thought process. And
2: I can completely understand that because, you know, even the Panthers and the Pumas, you know, they eat vegetation every once in a while. After all, cats <laughs> to settle their tummy or dogs to settle their tummy, they'll, Eat a little bit of veg. True. So, one quick question. Your Grand Canyon trip, when you went, did you oh. get to um, actually, like, camp there? Or were you at a hotel?
0: Oh, no. We we only... That was a ah, day trip. You- and we only got to see the South Rim. Oh, that's a pretty one. And yeah, and there's so many... I mean, I would love to go to the West Rim. I would love to go to, like, all the different parts. It's just... It was amazing. We got there... We left early, so we we got there like at eight thirty, and then we left back to Flagstaff. Oh no, actually, I think the Grand Canyon. Yeah, after the Grand Canyon, like right around three thirty mm-hmm. or four, we went right all the way back to Phoenix because oh. I had we were going to fly out of Phoenix two days later, and I had a friend in Tempe who owns a gym over there, and I and I wanted to meet with him for dinner, and then my Maura's father at the time was living in close to Phoenix or Phoenix. And so he, he wanted to hang out. So we just, it was a day trip. It was just basically all day. I would love to camp there. Oh Oh, my gosh, that would just be, have you done that? Yes, I've
2: camped, I've camped down at the bottom. I've camped around it. And I've also had to move from camping to um, their hotels because we got rained out. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) but actually when my little boy is 11, Fate's permitting, to take him to the Grand Canyon and hike all the way down, camp at the bottom, and hike all the way up. It's about, mm -hmm. it's thirteen miles down, or no, not thirteen miles, like eleven down miles down the Kaibab Trail, which is uh, not as steep, so it's a little bit easier on you know the uh, losing elevation. And then we were going to go stay the night at Angel Angel Ranch. I'm blanking on the exact name, but the campground down there and then if you want you can do um a trek up the I'm forgetting the name of the trail but it's about 12 miles up or you can like do half of it because it's a lot steeper up when you're not doing the Kaibab trail and then you can have a little uh campground there and then continue the hike the next day and we want to
0: Oh for sure that's what I would do with oh, the goodness, kids yes. cuz it's just you know, a half a half marathon mm-hmm. for them with elevation gain like that.
2: Oh goodness, it that'd is, be pretty hard. Oh yeah, it's kick butt. I did it the first time I did it. I was seventeen, I think. Well, my girlfriend at the time, she was like, "Hey, my family's doing this for the summer. Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" I didn't know quite what I was getting myself into. <laughs> like I do with most things. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll do this. No, sh- no problem. It was fun. It was so fun. And we ended up having like a 50 pound pack on. So we had 50 pounds there. Then it was probably about 45 pounds on the way up because we carried most of our water down there. It was amazing.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I'd see. I I want so to do that. I want to do. we got.
2: There's just, there's so much to see. I mean, goodness gracious. Um, my wife, she wants to get a a year pass for all of the um, national parks here in Texas. There's some amazing national parks, and I know you can do that with the. I think you can do that like nationwide, and they've got some really, really awesome, awesome uh, national parks out there.
0: Well, Texas is crazy. Like, I want to go to all these. There's so many cool places there that I that I would want to go. Some of these, like caves. Oh and yeah, we have a cool Natural stuff. Bridge
2: Caverns, not too far from us, and we have. Enchanted Rock. There's some awesome caves as well. Oh, I mm-hmm. love that. There's
0: that is so mm-hmm. awesome.
2: If you're ever in San Antonio, sir, I will gladly give you the down low on what we've got here.
0: Oh, for sure, I would love that. I got um Mike Molina, a good friend of ours that we, you know, we finally met him in person for the first time at last year's KetoCon. He's down in San Antonio, nice. so
2: oh, I want to go to KetoCon. <laughs> that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, it's gonna. This year's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be just a bunch of cool stuff they got a 5k they got all these other things and i'm gonna try to get brian i haven't told him this (laughs) yet but i want him to to get like a cold tank and have people do like cold immersions and maybe make it a competition like who can stay down the longest or some totally
2: right well i don't want to steal too much more of your time especially with your little guys getting restless and mine's being a little bit too quiet
0: (laughs) <laughs> exactly you're like way to
2: right that. like i hear him stirring but only a little bit which is slightly nerve-wracking thank you guys for joining me on another episode of the thriving on fat podcast and i do apologize for a little bit of the noise and static and craziness in the background and thank you so very much to our awesome guest mr danny vega
0: thank you for having me
2: thank you for saying yes but anyways, thank you guys for joining another episode of the Thriving on Fat podcast. If you'd like to check out the show notes for this or any of the other episodes, it'll be thrivingonfat.com. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, it'll be at Thriving on Fat. And if you'd like to follow Mr. Danny Vega on anything, where can they find you, dear sir?
0: Uh, keto Counterculture on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, we have our blog, and that's where our podcast is, www.fatfuel.family.
2: Which is an amazing amazing podcast I cannot recommend enough my wife that is
0: oh thank you yeah
2: that's like the only podcast having to do with health she'll listen to
0: that is so cool
2: right she's only on like the third episode because we have very little time to listen to it so I've had to listen to all of them without her but she doesn't know that yet
0: (coughs) (laughs) as long as you get to listen to it again as long as you listen to it again right it's not gonna hurt her
2: And with that, guys, thank you for joining me on another episode. Talk to you guys on Monday.